I feel like we're 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 moving back a little bit because we haven't talked about uh, one of our own earlier ideas for a while. So so no. this this is this is exciting for me. I don't actually. I'm I'm a little torn. So first off, I'm gonna say hi, Stefan. Hello, Hugh. You're listening to the Can't Sell This podcast with your hosts. Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. <laughs> we haven't recorded just the two of us uh, since, I don't know, maybe the vampire recording. We've Which had mostly was... guests in yeah. the past little while. So. Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, I'm a little torn about this, this episode, specifically because it's about a, a consultancy I did last year. Ooh. And much like Secret Farm, I can't discuss the client. Yes. Uh, and I can't discuss the product. Right. But uh, let's just say I was brought in to an agency for a, a three-day consult to help them plan a big launch campaign for their new credit card. And... Uh, I was really excited because the brief had been, uh, we don't want to go with their original idea, which was just to have a concert with a famous Canadian uh, artist. So, with the was sorry, just to, for clarity, was it a specific sure. famous Canadian artist, or was it? Yeah, they had a specific okay. Canadian okay. Fa- famous Canadian artist who is a huge fan of the local basketball team. <laughs> okay that's funny all right yeah i, I was gonna okay. i was gonna use it as a joking reference but uh oh but okay that was <laughs> anyway hit, hit was the, that the joke yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, not a funny you one see, this isn't 20 questions I, mean, I don't know how long we can drag it up <laughs> is it anyway mineral? so is it animal <laughs> anyway so yeah so i i was you know uh, based off of years of having conversations about product launches and what mm-hmm. would be fun, I, I you know I, my opinion was you don't really need a famous Canadian artist to sell a credit card, especially if you're the group you're trying to sell to are millennials. Oh God, right? no! Yeah, specifically because millennials don't like credit cards that much. You know, they can't really afford credit. So, mm-hmm. so I, you know, my first reaction was, I don't think you want to do that. I think you want to do something that engages the people you want to, uh, to attract as customers. And so I had two ideas. And I'm going to give you the two ideas and, 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 and see how you react. Okay. So All right. the first idea I had, because as you know, I, I did a lot of experiential marketing. So the first idea I had was um, I wanted to create a traveling art show that was um, created at each station. So each each place it stopped, it would start out blank and people would create the art that got hung up so we you know i'd I'd create some i'd build some kind of like art making machine whether that was photography or you know whatever and as you created a piece 
it would get printed and hung up. And so the art show would happen over the course of the evening where you would bring people and influencers or whoever uh, to enjoy the evening. Maybe you'd have a band, maybe you wouldn't, but it would be primarily like a traveling art show. And at the end, you would have this big gallery of art that didn't necessarily have to be physical. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, and... You know, that didn't go over. <laughs> okay, so let's... Let, because let, I had said... So, so sorry. And, and the yep. crux of it was that at each location, you'd pick a, a local artist to be, the, to be the curator and primary contributor. So, you know, you would go... If you went to, say, Vancouver, you'd find a local artist there who is fairly well-connected, you know, you know indigenous perhaps, uh, someone who can bring in you know a good crowd and and create buzz and all that stuff by being like hey check me out i'm here right and so the idea would be that this artist would be working in collaboration with like the attendees the, like generated content right that's right okay and, that's right and 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 using the theme of the 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 um credit card the credit card is has a has a name and and you would use the theme of the credit card right as part of it so like let's say just like the like Canadiana or yeah or freedom or you know whatever whatever you know slogan they decide to go with uh, mm-hmm. but yeah so the yeah. Thing, okay I get it yeah makes sense and, and 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 like you know the way I had sort of pictured it was it wasn't like printed and hung up it was like uh, like it's just a, a wall of iPads that oh. you would <laughs> fill so then. Or, or monitors or whatever. It just, it, it was all digital. So like the entire thing was digital, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and you would, you would just, you would find a, you would scout ahead and you would just find a, a, a space that could be converted quickly into a gallery. You would show up, have a big gallery opening that started out with entirely nude walls with just the iPads. And then as the art is created, you would fill the gallery. And by the end of the evening, you would have a full gallery of art. I really like this idea. <laughs> but, Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but I would put a twist on it. Sure. Um, and that's just, I, I like the idea of the screen and, I, and like, the, or if it's an iPad or whatever kind of display screen, because you can change it up. It's the one thing you take with you. But I think what I would do is, is rig up some kind of like large format printing that would print mm. it and it would just slide down the wall as it was printing and then hang there yeah. until you tear it off and then print the next one. And the only reason I say that uh, is because of the go people going to this art show and giving their input and then seeing their piece slowly printing and coming down the wall and then getting their mm-hmm. friends together to stand in front of it and then they do their like Instagram selfies. Yeah, sure. I mean, right? that's 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 very cool. And then you actually have these pieces that you can roll up <clears throat> and give to the people who created it or sell it to them or make copies or, I mean, you would have a digital file of it that you could then actually make as prints that get hung in, uh, you know, the, the, the lobby of the agency or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like... There definitely is that opportunity. There, sorry, there was that opportunity there. I really liked the idea one 
of involving, you know, a, an artist that is from the community in which you're going. So it's not like you bring someone and go, look how cool this person is. Because I find that more often than not, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to attract people f- from a certain area by bringing in someone from somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And, you know, although the celebrity aspect is, is very obvious, could you not also, you know, treat it like, Hey, you know, we understand you're as important as anywhere else. You mean as much yeah. to us as anywhere else. L- local local we, would be interesting for sure. Um, the only thing that I always find about, about working with, with local artists is that you're dealing with a, an audience that has seen their stuff a million times. Well, I mean, maybe we, we, we deal with it from this, from the point of view of if you're in the art scene in Toronto, you've, you're, there's always someone new. Right. That's you know what true. I mean. Yeah. Okay. And you could, you could even do like an invitational thing. You could say, Hey, look, established artist, can you pick maybe three new artists that you've got mm-hmm. your eye on that are local mm-hmm. to the scene that you, we could bring up. There, there's, there's a yeah, lot yeah, of opportunity yeah. there in which, in which it's about, you know, it's that whole, a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, re- I really like the idea of, of proving your support for the community by supporting your community. And that's where like this, this is a, a you know, it's a fully national company and I thought that was the way, like, cause you know how there's yeah. always that let's, let's do the, the NHL has the hockey town thing and, uh, wherever else there's always like a, Hey, let's, we, we, we love our community. Okay. Well, if you do, then you should support your community and not just by showing up with a credit card. Would you, know? you see this as a, um, so when you say like a traveling art show, so this would actually be trucks going yeah, coast to coast. I mean, I say traveling art show really, I mean like. I thought it could be it could be really inexpensively done. Well, uh, you know, let's, let's didn't not need, didn't need a bunch of trucks. But even even like let's say like one truck, like, like one thing that truck. I've learned uh, from some of these um, some of the experiential stuff that I've done is that like I, I've I've done a campaign that was a coast to coast trip. Yeah, and I mean there were definitely parts where they stopped and flew right but uh yeah. but but there for the most part it was coast to coast driving and um i think it might be even interesting because one of the things that's a benefit to the artist is, is being exposed to new um uh new markets right and also right, right. that idea of like like let's say you started in uh the maritimes and you do your first show Let's just randomly say Halifax, and mm-hmm. it's all locals, and uh, and then there's like an invitational. One of those locals is going to come with you for the rest of the trip. Oh yeah, right. And and if you if you did it right, if you could do it where it's like east to west and then west back to east, then then you take someone with you from one coast to the other, and then they fly home, and then you take one back. I don't, I don't know. Uh, obviously, there's yeah. logistics that would have to be worked out, but just concept wise. Um, the idea of being able to, to sort of go beyond just like, hi, we're in Montreal now and we're going to do a Montreal art show, uh, which right. is, which is not a, a bad thing, especially if you, uh, especially not if you're, you're capturing all of it and making it be like a national campaign where you show this stuff, right? Because then the, 
like very often the the reel of the project is is the project you know that's the end result of the project is getting that reel where you get to talk about what exactly happened. and i mean that's and that was what my uh a friend of mine did a did a talk uh last week and and he said specifically like you know although we make these bespoke electronics projects really it's all about the commercial they make you yeah. know so i mean this art show is a moment it's a, a, a you know a number of moments over the course of maybe two weeks of you traveling across Canada and then engaging with a, a, you know a city and then moving on and then it, it's about that cut that two minute cut of this is what we did we've launched this right. credit card and this is what we did to launch it you know I mean, I'm not, I'm not silly. I, I realize that that's how it all works. <laughs> right, right. I just like the idea of making a whole bunch of art at the same time. Like, I, I thought there's something so anti-corporate as like, let's put on an art show. And of course, it's so anti-corporate and so anti-credit card that, you know, they were just like, no, there's no, we can't pitch right, that. Right. I don't, um, so yeah, no, it, it, I have this. I've I've had the traveling art show in my head for a long time, so I've I finally got paid to say it out loud to somebody. And I was just like, that's that's all I care about. <laughs> do you, do you think that there's a a product or a a business a type of business that it would be better suited for? <sighs> yeah, I mean it, it's probably it on it. It would depend on what is creating the art, right? Really, um, if 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 what was creating the art was some kind of camera. You know, then yeah, I would say it's probably best to be a camera thing. If right. someone creating the right. art is like a, you know, some kind of experiential thing with lights and motors and whatever, then it's probably the printed part that matters. Right. So or like, to, like if you got HP to, you know, like they're a new printer and and like I right. was saying with the print. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. So if it was something you know that was integral, I mean? integral to the making of the. The art. yeah it would be like you know we would only try or, or it's like some partnership thing mm-hmm. like oh it's for right. canon cameras or nikon cameras but it's in partnership with hp right and, you know the this this artist would only trust their work to this camera and this printer right. or whatever and it's funny like <laughs> the the first time i ever talked about doing the traveling art show was specifically because of my long exposure stuff i was like i want to do a long exposure oh show that traveled across the country and i i don't even remember who i had initially pitched it to but i remember them going like no we're not that's not (laughs) like i'm like no it'd be cool because then you you know the person that makes the art gets to show up and you know they show up and make the art and then you print the art or you, you display it and i did actually end up doing that very thing uh, for Maker Festival in Toronto, they hired me to like do a long exposure gallery thing for their opening party. So I did get to do it, and I did get to make art, and it was it was super fun. And I honestly, it is extremely fun. Cool. So if anybody wants to hire me to do a traveling art show with long exposure <laughs> photography, I am down, yo. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really am very passionate about the idea of making art. One, one. Yeah, I'm very passionate 100%. about that. One hundred percent. And 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 it it's difficult as I have aged and had to put aside childish notions. 
you know, where making art becomes a thing that I do if I have a moment versus like I studied art in college and I thought I'd be painting and drawing and whatever into my forties. But instead I, I chose a, a very different path. So um, anyway, this is a, oh gosh, I, you know, I didn't mean for this to get, to, this is entered into therapy land, but, um, you <laughs> no, know, it I'm, is, it, but, but I'm with you on that. Like, I, I mean, the, this whole podcast is about creativity. I mean, more often than not, it's about the writing side and about the concept side, but I mean, we have delved mm-hmm. into, you know, visual design and art before. Um, and I, I mean, when I when I went freelance again, one of the first times I mentioned or I, I ran into somebody and, and told them, yeah, I'm 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 freelance now, or I'm, I'm no longer at my former employer. Um, they asked what I was going to do, and my my answer was literally, I don't know, maybe I'll make some art. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I I think both of us, Hugh, you and I, we've um, worked almost exclusively with technology and like tried to always be on that sort of innovative edge where Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we're doing, um, servicing something creative or even servicing advertising or a client, we've always tried to make something that in some way either hasn't been done or is at, at the very least new to us. And yeah, I would say that's I would say that's very true. I'm sorry to, to interrupt. No, totally. I, I, I totally agree. I I find more often than not I am working towards um, trying to satisfy that the create creative side of me. So when I'm working on stuff, like even now, like working where I work, the idea that someone will come to me and they'll they'll talk about like data and research. And the first thing I start thinking was how can I make that beautiful as opposed mm-hmm. to like, as opposed to like, you want me to make charts? Like, is yeah. that what you, you need me to do? And like, even the conversation today where they were talking about boil water advisories and I was like, oh man, we can make a heat map and it could go, you know, it could be animated over time and it would be super <laughs> cool. And the guy's like, mm, I just want a bar yeah. graph. <laughs> Hugh, can you <laughs> listen? Just put the bar graph at seventy-five percent, and then the next one at twenty-two percent. That's all I just feed. I mean, feed in real data. Yeah, <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't, don't just seventy-five. And but I mean, yeah, it's true. Like the guy kind of reacted with like a oh, oh, hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting that you would uh, take that route. Um, well, it's funny. That I'm, I'm showing them data of his artists and stuff. Like, look what they do. I'm like, that's yeah. not what they want. But also, when you when you talk about data i find that so much of the creative um world at at least in advertising is so focused on statistics and Mm -hmm. um you know well we've been getting been getting this feedback that people really liked this x thing so therefore we just need to make that x thing again and then we will have the same amount of popularity and i don't know like when did that become the the reasoning you know like when did when did when did people stop realizing that oh well shit they did that really well and they they got those people and it was very popular it it became the reasoning when we were able to track it yeah we were able to we were able to track interactions Mm -hmm. and conversions it became a very real thing before you would put a commercial on tv 
based off of the Nielsen rating and based off your budget, how long you could keep it on that one channel at that one time or block of time for that one show. Yeah. And it maybe worked. And it was always a maybe. Who knows? Television was so mysterious. Okay. But but let's 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 stick with Nielsen and with, with TV for a second. I know we're totally going off the the the, the no, subject that's okay. matter of the that's show, okay. but this is something that I found really interesting. Um, there was a time in television where somebody figured out that the secret to success was uh, uh, coming up with the least objectionable programming, and what that meant mm-hmm. was. Thursday nights, 7 to 9, all we have to do to win that time slot is put on shows that are the least objectionable to our target audience. Right. So when they flip through the channels and there's nothing better on, they'll watch our show. Right. And that was the secret because then you spend as little money as possible. <laughs> on, no, I'm, I'm not even, this is like and, a real and thing. that was the Cosby show. <laughs> <laughs> And look where it's gotten to now. But oh, I mean, wow. like, think about it. Like, and I'm saying like a lot, I know. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, think about it. We watch television now on an almost on-demand um, schedule. We, we decide when we want to watch it. We yep. decide what we want to watch. And the statistics uh, that come with the, the, the amount of time spent, of the amount of time spent watching television... The, the amount of that time that is dedicated to shows you actually want to watch and care about has increased massively thanks yeah. to streaming, YouTube, Netflix, you name it. So now what's happening in television land is, well, shit, least objectionable doesn't work anymore. We have to put out quality content and we have to become the thing that people want to watch and care about. Well, yes... I think the other problem is that um, due to, oh my God, we are getting into a very, <laughs> this is a different conversation, but to, we're, we're, it's interesting because when you, when you look back to when the least objectionable became reality TV, that, mm. that can be traced back to the writer's strike. Um, the Hollywood writer's strike. Oh yeah, where, totally. Like, you know, people weren't making TV and they weren't making, they weren't writing shows. So all of a sudden they were making like, uh, Survivor and and all these other Big Brother Home and Hunters. all this stuff. Sorry, Home Hunters, Home Finders, Home Hunters. House Hunters, yeah, Ho- House so like, House, you know, sitters. All of these shows in which there was no challenge to your intellect. It was mostly just watching people be kind of dumb, you right. know. And you could go like the Jersey Shore had a massive following, and those people were not good people. You know, they were not, yeah. and you could sit and judge them and go, well, at least I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. And I kind of feel, I feel like that, that, that's like a, that's a, a separate issue, a separate, but, um, related but issue. This, but that, but this, but this is, this is why like streaming services, this is why Netflix was able to succeed is it started putting TV shows on that people either wanted to watch yeah. or you know, because there became this whole thing where, where we didn't want to watch reality TV anymore. And it was, could you right. give us something? And But that's the you know? thing. So I, my feeling is that, you know, the first reality TV shows were a success and there were real metrics behind that. So then everyone was like, well, 
this is the new thing that everyone wants. So we're just going to keep giving them that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And nobody got to the to, or maybe it was it was just HBO that finally said, you know what? That's not what we do. This is what we do. We are just going to give people a quality television show. Yeah. But they, they also focused, they didn't focus on a ton of shows. No. You know what I mean? No. And, and HBO was home box office. HBO yep. was a movie channel. Yep. You know what I mean? And then they're just like, you know what? We're going to make, I don't know, Deadwood. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. And then, and then there, were, there were other shows in which you're like, wow, Showtime had a thing. But, you know. Like, think about the shows we grew up watching and think about television now. And... Like when the person told me about the least objectionable programming, I was like, "My God, that was my childhood. That was oh yeah, that was the stuff that I watched. That was just it was good enough." And there are definitely shows that I feel nostalgia towards, but you know, when I compare them to what's on television now, I'm like, "It's like night and day." Like, yeah. So I feel Have like you seen any old episodes of Magnum PI? Oh. Mm. <laughs> I remember. Oh my god. Oh, anyway, sorry. I, for me, it's it's Miami Vice. I went back and watched that, and I was like, "This oh, is terrible." Wow. wow. <laughs> I thought this was a gritty cop show. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not. It's, it's not. There's no grit. Negative. But there's in the a grit. whole episode of Magnum PI where he's dealing with serial killer, and I think it was two episodes. So I think it was a double episode, and it was like, it 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 was dark. Like the guy was murdering women and. Magnum was like at a loss, and I don't know. But it still had that theme song, that upbeat Hawaii. Are you playing it on a on an air banjo? I just don't know the song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about Magnum and and Rick and and uh, oh, TJ the helicopter guy. TJ. It was yeah. TJ and Higgins. Higgins. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, okay. Sorry. Oh my gosh. All right. So oh let's gosh. let's. Okay. So that was your. You had a, an idea for that was traveling my, that art was show. My art, that was my art idea, yeah. and I and and they they just kind of. I'm almost positive that they just didn't even tell the client, and and I say that because it, I mean it didn't go anywhere. But you know, also maybe they didn't like it. So and I know that he was kind of like my the guy I was consulting with the, the they're they're the agency for the client, right? And he just kind of went. Are you serious? I mean, like, because I was dealing with interns. Like, they had he had me in a room with a couple of interns, and it was just we, we were just chatting. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool. And I just started drawing on the wall, and I started, you know, give, doing all this stuff. They're like, where? Where's this coming from? Like, I don't know. But really, I did. It was like this long-standing <laughs> desire to have a traveling art show. Um, okay, so the other idea I had was again, it was experiential. So the idea was to cr- to create big monster games that uh required more than one person to play what what you, is a it, what is a big monster game like i i just mean like big tabletop games like oh like, oh like, like large uh, scale like, a, like large scale yeah oh, so if you had okay. a marble maze right if you had a, a big like make oh my a big God. marble maze that's the size of like a dining table yeah 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 and then and, and one person operates one axis and the other person operates the other axis and you have to work together Okay. And uh, and then I, you know, I said, okay, but you could also live stream it. So then you could have people involved online that could make the game a bit harder for the right. people trying to win. Um, and then it could also simply be controlled from a phone. 
you know, with an accelerometer. There, you know, there's all these all these options that could be be done for. So that was that was one of. I was like, just make great big games and like have it as like a. You're going to West Edmonton Mall. You're going to some mall in, I don't know, Vancouver. You're going to some mall in Toronto and some mall in Montreal and some mall in, in uh, I guess we'll say Halifax again. Right. Um, but basically, you make three or four of these three or four of these great big games that that require more than one person to operate, and they're all in the, you know, they're all in the theme of this credit card that had a geometric shape and and um so i i pitched like three or four one game was so that was that was one was the marble maze i was like right. marble maze because i really i've always loved the marble maze and I, I think it's i think it'd be super fun if you could make one that's the size of a dining table but square um depending on the size of your dining table i guess but like a mm-hmm. big dining table yeah um and then the other one was um you <laughs> it was uh you had a leaf blower there were two leaf blowers facing each other and you had to blow a ball into the other person's net, but the leaf blower could only be held on for a certain length of time and it would have to recharge. So the idea was that you had, um, that if you both went full blast right from the beginning, like basically the ball wouldn't move and then you'd all, it would, it would require strategy. Like right. how long do you hold it? Do you just keep it? Do you just use it long enough just to keep it from going into your net and then blast them when the guy runs, when your opponent runs out, you know, there's all, right, there's right. all this. So I had this whole concept of like, this is how you do it. And then actually one leaf blower could be handled by someone online and one leaf blower could be handled by someone present or they could both be handled by people online. It, it just, I had this whole thing where you didn't need to physically be there. So if we decided to have a centrally located, like you know arcade it could be anywhere and then you just log right. in and you could go right. and maybe you get like a special yeah. invitation to like the party of the games so like say it's one night and you just you just invite 500 people from across the country and they all get to go and play these games live right. but they've played the games for like a week online. and the best players online get to come and play it live yeah so I had like a, a few, there were a few different games. So the two, those two were, were, were the main ones were the marble maze. I can't remember what the other one, to be honest, I'm totally blanking on what the other ones were, but you can let your imagination <laughs> go. Yeah. But this. I mean, again, it's, it's, that is such a socially shareable event. And I'm, and I mean, you and I talked about this last week, I think it was about how the, the live event is now, um, eclipsing the recording when it, uh, yeah. in the music industry, uh, in not just in popularity but in value to the um, to the audience, yeah. Pe- yeah, people would rather spend a lot of money on a live performance that they go to once, probably take their selfies at. But the the point is like a recording. I mean, these digital stuff is just so ubiquitous now. It's yeah, just, it's just everywhere, right? And all you need to do is go to like any, anyone, I don't know really how many there are, but like go to like that ping pong place on King in Toronto, mm-hmm. Spin, mm-hmm. Yeah. and then like, or, or go to the, the bowling alley on, uh, on John Street. What's that one called? It's, it's a bar, but it's a bowling alley. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, ballroom. The ballroom. Ballroom. When you can have multiple people all 
partaking in a physical activity, they actually all kind of have fun. Even yep. if there's like f- five, six people bowling and two people just sitting and chatting, yep. they can all enjoy themselves. And that's, that's all I could think was like, you could create an environment in which everybody that's there enjoys themselves. They don't have to hurt themselves to do it. It doesn't take no. a lot of energy. It just takes some thinking in some cases. But it's also... Like, it's also this, like like I said, with giant games, like being able to take a photo of you and your friend playing a giant marble maze. Yeah. To, you know, or, or like a giant memory game. Yeah. You know, where you tap the thing and they flip. Oh. And then they flip back. But maybe they're, they're actual like full on like 70 inch yeah. screens. The museum of... So you, um... so you tap the back and they flip over the, their 70 inch screens. I mean, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, the Museum of Civilization in Ottawa... Uh, I, I don't know if it still has it, but for a long time had had an oversized chessboard outside. I mean, those are pretty common. Yeah. But but yeah. it was the first when I saw it. Like I was with a friend of mine, and I was like, "Dude, we should play. Like, let's go out there and play." And right. you know, we were visiting a friend who works at the museum. She was on our lunch break, so we went out there and we just started having this giant chessboard chess game, and we got a little bit of an audience towards the end. But for sure, it, it's just. You know, two two twenty something guys having a very serious game of chess with these giant, um, you know, plastic. Yeah. Resin. It's wizard chess, Harry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get, I I understand the appeal. I understand the sort of the spectacle of it, and that is that is experiential marketing, right? Like, yeah. So that also didn't sell. No. <laughs> but I I can't honestly, you know, it it really was like a. They're launching a credit card, and oh. they want to have this artist do a concert. But and here, I, I, I just was like, no, what? But what were they asking for, from you then? If they already knew that that is what the, is that what they went with? It just is that what oh, they I did? I don't know. I honestly don't know what they went okay. with. I haven't. I didn't pay any attention. Okay. But I, but because once I stopped working, I, I was just like, I don't want to know. Right. So but I don't I mean, know like, what they did. I, they didn't do any of my ideas because I was assured right. if they did, I would know about it. But and you, so. you, you telling me these two ideas, like the first thing that would come to mind, knowing that they are ideas that you could not sell, is like, well, I mean, I guess. Neither of those things really speak to what a credit card is. Well, this but is it. <laughs> it sounds like doing a, a concert with a Canadian music artist also doesn't do that, right? Oh, at all. Unless, unless you're like, well, it's, it's aspirational. You get to go to a concert because you can afford to buy tickets with our credit card. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did. I didn't see the connection. So yeah, I don't. Know I either. had. I had said, you know, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a millennial. I can't. I can't. I all I could think was that millennials don't want credit. They don't yeah. want. Well, they don't want to live beyond their means. As far as I can tell, they seem to be pretty persistently, <laughs> you know, in a in a, having issues financially. So they don't want to be in a situation in which they're get presented with a credit card. So I, I was like, what could make a credit card more attractive? It would be prove that you have some social engagement, prove yeah. that you are interested yeah. in what they're dealing with, or that you're willing to create a spectacle that is like, how fun can you make something, you know? Yeah. And so like, I didn't see a concert being that thing. And I, 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 I wasn't, I, you know, when they told me about it, I just kind of went, uh-huh. And I, I didn't 
belittle it. I, I, I just think that it's a fairly, it's a fairly obvious solve. If someone says, how would you launch something? If someone says concert, I can tell you probably about 90% of the people you asked, how would you launch something? They would say yeah. concert. Yeah. Celebrity, you know? celebrity involvement. Celebrity involvement, you know, yeah. like put a yeah, celebrity I, in front I, of it. And then everyone who loves the celebrity will instantly love. Take our a picture card. with that artist with the, you know, yeah. with I don't, the, the credit card in their hand going like, I would use this if I didn't already have a platinum <laughs> black, or no, you know, Amex black. I, I feel, I feel maybe I'm, I'm just a little bit too optimistic on this angle, but I kind of feel like that that kind of advertising doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't think it does. I mean, I think it sells watches. You know, but I don't think it sells watches to millennials. No, you can put Matthew McConaughey in a in a Chrysler. It's not to sell a Chrysler to a millennial. Yeah, but it also, even if I was the biggest fan of of um, Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, yeah. all right. I get um, you. I hear you. Uh, I I isn't still. I realize it right on, right on, right on. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Is it I, all right, all right, right, all right? Maybe it's maybe everything he oh, says. I am the worst. He just Matthew he, McConaughey fan. he says it. He says it three times with that. Oh, draw. you're right. You're everything. No, you're right. But it's everything. All He'll right, go to the restaurant right, right. and yeah. they'll be like, they'll be like, "What would you like to drink, uh, Mr. McConaughey? Red wine, red wine, red wine." <laughs> no. <laughs> a sprat, a sprat, a sprat. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is that a... Oh, you have a cigarette. What do you need? A lot, a lot, a lot. Oh, geez. I feel bad that we... <laughs> Neither one of us were 100% sure. Oh, Matthew wow. McConaughey, if you're listening, we're, we're laughing with you, not at you. The chances of you listening are zero, but if you are, if you're <laughs> well, back cataloging us, yeah. know that I love you. Yeah. And I, I hope that you're well. And hey, I loved Sahara. I don't care what anyone else says. That was a good movie. No, that's not how you compliment people. <laughs> don't say, I don't care what anyone else says. <laughs> it means that you genuinely know that he knows. it was a garbage movie. He knows. No, it's not garbage at all. 100%. I was shocked when I heard how poorly Shocked? Were you shocked and appalled? Um, no, I'm still Steph. Mostly just most. Oh, 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 oh. No, oh that was my bad. goodness. You can cut that okay. out. You can cut that out of the. Uh, I might not, the, though. I might. What, I, what I'm likelier to cut out is you and I not knowing right on or right all on. right. All right. All right. But probably not. Okay. So but I'm, I'm those just saying that. Two, those are my two okay. concepts for a campaign for one thing mm. that they didn't sell. Mm. Did you just grunt? <laughs> mm. Yeah, campaign. Advertising, good. Fire, bad. Uh, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think part of me still, I still feel sore about the, the secret farms. Mm. Um, be, because it was the, we want something new and different. And then it was, whoa, that's so new and different. And then they just run back and hide underneath the thing that they're so used to doing. It's, it's, you know, I never, I don't really, I don't know about you, but I don't really think of the things that I come up with as being risky. Like I don't think of 
having a traveling art gallery or a traveling art show or whatever. I don't see a pop-up art show. Right. I don't see that as being a risky move. It's, I saw that as being f- f- fiscally responsible. Well, <laughs> like, not just that, but know? I mean, it's it's no more or less risky than having a big name on a concert ticket. It's it's just not. It it's it it probably costs less, so therefore it mitigates risk, and uh, um, but it might not have as much reach, so maybe the risk is higher, so it's probably just as risky, right? Yeah. Like any yeah. any advertising is is risk. I think the problem is is that in many cases, uh, uh, these brands and these institutions are just so used to doing the thing that they do, that when you when you do come to them with an idea that's out, so far outside of that they just don't know how to handle that they're just not equipped with i don't know it it brings me back no, to no and you're right but i mean you're also dealing with the fact that they're fed the same ideas repeatedly oh exactly by their agencies aor is like a dirty word you know what i mean it's like yeah. a it's a thing where aor as you've, in you, um agency, agency of record. record yeah so the the agency it's, just so so people know what that means Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. I should. Yeah. As in advertising, uh, and it probably it exists in other situations, but in advertising, when you are signed, when a client signs with you, uh, your agency, you become the agency of record. They are your client. They don't go to other agencies to do the work. Mm-hmm. They always come to you and you would probably end up, I don't remember what the word is. Uh, you have a retainer. The, they a pay retainer. You, yeah, yeah. They're they're required to spend a certain amount of money with you every year, and you debate the budget every year, and that's what they spend. And they may spend more, but they'll never spend less. Right. And if they were about to spend less, they would all of a sudden spend it all in one last gasp before the the fiscal year yeah. contract ends, and and you'd be like, oh, phew, we made that, whatever. So I think that as AORs go, they're as guilty as anyone else for selling to clients the safest route and i I witnessed it many times at at the various agencies i worked at where you know you you'd say something like oh well we should do it this way and they'd be like whoa no no the client will never go for that and like well have you thought about asking the client yeah or telling them or saying hey by the way we've looked at the metrics and this is where things are going yeah but no 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 the client won't won't like that yeah that's just know, something easy like, to wow. sell them. Give us something that's really easy to sell them. Put, yeah. a, put a celebrity on there and then we can sell it to them. No, let's I agree. Make a website and let's do this. Yeah. And, it's, I don't know. Th- so the other way of, of working with, a, with an agency is uh, where agencies work for, with clients on a, on a per-project basis, which mm-hmm. in those cases, you're, essentially you're not getting a retainer. You're not working with the same client. You're, you're sometimes working with competitors very in very quick succession. But you're, you're only working with them on a specific project, which usually allows for some more creativity. Um, yeah, it also leads to way more burnout. <laughs> yes, because you're not getting paid the big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, the thing that I learned that is really valuable when you're, when you're on a, on a per-project basis, maybe this would even work on a, on, for an AOR, but... Um, to really pick and choose your battles. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is, so you get a new client for a project and they have an idea for what they want and you try to sell them on something that you think would be much more innovative and rewarding and would tell a much better story. Um, and they're just not going to have it. They're just not interested. 
well, then your one of your options is to say, okay, well, we'll just make that that YouTube video that you asked for, and this is what it costs, and we're gonna make sure that we like you just then make sure that you you make it as effortless as possible for your for your studio for your employees, so that you're maximizing the return on in, on your investment, right? So that you're making as much money off that project as possible. Because if you if you decided that every project your company puts out has to be an award-winning gem, mm-hmm. you're going to burn through your, your staff in like six years. Listen, I started, I worked at one agency. It was smaller, but on my first day, the president walked out and she, she like, they, they said, oh, this is Hugh. And she goes, all right, Hugh, let's win some awards. And I, <laughs> I looked at her awards. They had a, an awards case in you know in the hall and i said i've actually won you three as a freelancer (laughs) you know and she just like she just the look on her face was like so unimpressed i'm like but this should be a good thing you should be happy that i'm here you know like i just like i've already done this for you on a per hourly basis now you have on me on salary maybe it'll be and it just turned like it i mean i was there for five weeks did not work out because there were a sweatshop that didn't agree that they were a sweatshop. And I just was like, no, that's, this isn't going to work out. But every situation in which I've seen agencies or smaller agencies or whatever that have won countless awards, they all either have a reputation for being a sweatshop or I know that they're a sweatshop because they, they, they think burning out, burning their staff out in the name of like innovation and awards is the only way to do it. Mm Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? for me, I was working at a place and the, the whole awards thing came up and it was all about, um, you know, like we, we don't want to do jobs that are just for the money. And I, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I kind of believe you should always see yourself as being a silent client on a project and you have to decide what other than money are we getting out of this. But it doesn't necessarily have to mean award uh, which means putting in a lot of extra uh, blood, sweat, and tears. It can mean things like the opportunity to work with an artist that you've wanted to work with. Um, yeah. You know, the opportunity to to uh, tr- to travel, you know, to send a couple people off to go do whatever it is you need to do uh, on sure. set, on location, right? Anyways, but um, so uh, th- this whole idea of, well, we don't want to just do a project's uh, client projects anymore. We just want to do uh, projects that are, you know, like the ones that will win awards. And I, I, this is, I didn't agree with it. I said, well, and they pointed to another agency. Well, look at them. All their projects on their website are these like award-winning things. And everything we see from them every year are these like really artistic, you know, right. like, like they don't. How many, how many projects do they did they not win awards on that they just haven't put on the site? Well, or what? How many projects did they do that they white labeled for a bank that they charged? You know, probably seven yeah. times what what they would have charged anyone else for yeah. because it was a bank. I, you know, right? Like there's there's uh, the whole sleight of hand when it comes to work that that I think people that that aren't familiar with it don't re- recognize or right. realize. Like I might say, oh, I've I'm an award winning developer. And I, I can say what jobs I've done that I've won awards on, but I've done thousands of jobs. Yeah. You yeah. know, like 20 years is a long time to be doing something. So yeah. 
I have a lot of work that didn't win awards that I am proud of because it did win me my house. You know, mm-hmm. it did allow me to pay my bills. <laughs> but, uh, and I don't the, know. but aside from awards, there's, yeah, there's there's that idea that there there's jobs out there that um, I'll pitch on and I'll win and I'll do them and I'll bring value to that project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get paid for it. And it's, it's, I, I look at it at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, it's not really something that I'm going to put in my portfolio. Like, I feel like I did a lot of, of, of good work on that project, but it's just not something I feel needs to be showcased. Right. That's that. Right. And, uh, and I, I feel like I got something out of it. The client's happy and, you know, I, I can, um, ask for a, a recommendation or whatever. Yeah. Um, or maybe they'll just recommend me to people uh, without me having to say anything. And then there's the projects that I do where I'm like, oh, this is something I want to put on my web- website. and Or, oh, this is something that I actually want to talk about when I go to conferences. Because I think there was something of value that happened in this project beyond just the client and myself. But that would actually be useful for other people in the industry to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. So you pitched two <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Well, that's a real full circle segue there, buddy. Oh, it, oh. It, yeah. Anyways, no, you're you're right. This is a big conversation. It's interesting because now we've booked a a guest that I'm I'm quite excited about mm-hmm. uh, in the next month. So it's it'll be interesting to have that conversation with him. Uh, yeah. And, stay uh, tuned. <laughs> yeah. Thing okay. That... So it's great. I'm 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 uh. I'm excited to have, have had this conversation with you, Stefan. I, uh, one, we, we have not had that many conversations in the past little while because we both got busy and we've been doing guest uh, episodes. So it's nice to have a one-on-one one more time. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I like doing the interviews. They're super fun, but, uh, but, but there's something about our little conversations too. Well, they're just, they're just the... the the wind in my sails. <laughs> <laughs> the the light, light in my bulb. <laughs> I don't know. The I don't polish know. on my shoes. The polish on my shoes. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to, uh, we're going to end this. I think uh, I, uh, this has been can't sell this and I am Hugh Elliott. And I have been, and I guess we'll be <laughs> Stefan <Continue>. Grambart. <laughs> have a good night, everybody. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan Grambart and Hugh Elliott. Intro voice by Jeff Wright. Intro music track is Energy by Not Of from their 2015 album Peak. Questions or comments can be sent to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Any other information can be found at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Mm-hmm.